It is so good to have Brother Darren Sargent here. And yes. It's also good to have his precious wife, his children uh, are here um, tonight with us. But Brother Darren Sargent <clears throat> holds, he and I have been friends for many, many, way before, long before I was ever in the ministry. Uh, Brother Darren Sargent and I were friends. Um, but we came to Cornerstone. We started Cornerstone 29 years ago. Our very first evangelist was Brother Darren Sargent. I actually found the flyer of that revival, and I sent it to him. I think it terrorized him when he saw what he used to look like. Um, we have a good laugh about that, but I want to tell you how much love and appreciation I have for you coming to a church that wasn't able to give you much, if anything. And what we did for entertainment or to have fun is I had a big Delta 88. It literally looked like a boat. It even it had fins. Um, it had propellers called wheels. And we would get in that, and we would find a large parking lot that had ice on it. And he and I would do donuts for seemingly hours. And I didn't have a lot of money to give him, but I thought maybe this will compensate. <laughs> I'm glad that some policemen didn't pull in to find out what in the world this was all about to find a couple a couple preachers going around in circles in a boat on wheels but I love this man I appreciate him he's being greatly used of God uh, right now he's the head of a particular department for the entire uh, organization for the United Pentecostal Church International. He's doing a phenomenal job, and he is one of the greatest preachers in America today. So listen, I want to give him the right kind of a, of a very fitting introduction. I want us to put our hands together right now under the Lord for this man of God as he comes. All over this house, could we give God a shout of praise? Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord and feel his presence? The Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, it is uh, it's really, really good to be back at Cornerstone, and it's really cool to see what God has done. We have not had the chance to be here. I want to commend this church on a job well done. Pastor's going to give me a tour after service. I can't wait to see all of it, but this is absolutely amazing. Isn't it unbelievable at times what God can do? Faith. Faith does things that nothing else can do. Man, it's uh, such a treat to be with you. Good to see everybody survive the 4th. Some of us came out unscathed. Others, we made it. It's been a treat to be with our entire family. As Pastor mentioned this morning, my son and his wife, they were here on Sunday, I think, for the picnic. So hopefully some of you got to see them. But they flew out this morning. I think they're still trying to make it back. They've got a lot of delays, but we have enjoyed all 19 of us sergeants, which I'm surprised no one has punctured a lung. No one has cracked open a head. We've all been pretty good. And uh, when you get us all together, there's no telling what will happen. But it has been a treat to have my entire family all together. So good to be with my brothers and their family. I want to do something here for just a minute because I, I can. And I know you're standing, but I'll be standing for the next two hours. So <laughs> scared some of you. I want to give honor to, first of all, my lovely wife. I'm thankful for her. She has been a trooper. And uh, 
give honor to my daughters and my new son-in-law. I got a son-in-law. You know what's cool about a son-in-law? They do things for you, especially when you're short-handed. And uh, I love and appreciate my family and thankful for them. I want to give honor to my mom and dad. I love you, dad. I love you, mom. I'm so thankful for you. This has been a real treat for all of us. We're just having a family reunion, okay? Y'all just enjoy and look. You know, it's like looking at the pets in a zoo. Just view on it. But I love you, and I appreciate you, and I'm thankful for you. Thank you for allowing us all to come in and crash and bunk. And we've ate good, and we've laughed and had a good time. Amen. Last but not least, and I could go on, my relationship with this church has been many, many years. And uh, I am so thankful for a voice that came to the Northwest and your pastor and his wife to begin to preach truth. And as a result of that word that was preached, look what God has done. Look what God has done. Amen. It takes the, it takes the vision of a God-called man and woman to establish something of this nature. This doesn't this doesn't just happen. This this takes it takes work. It takes prayer. It takes sacrifice. And although I probably hit my head against the window when we spun around in the parking lot many times, I am so thankful that God allowed me to be able to team up with an incredible anointed apostolic man of God. Thank you for pastoring my family. Thank you for being such a blessing to the Sargent family. You and your wife both. And we love and appreciate the Mayo family. You are blessed. I don't know if you know that. I think you do, but you're blessed. Amen. Now I didn't I didn't ask I didn't ask your pastor what time you get out of here on a midweek, so I have no idea. So hopefully we'll see. We're just gonna see what happens. I, I begin to mention this relationship that we've been able to have with this church, I think allows me to preach what I'm going to preach tonight. Um, it's a little unique. It's a little maybe different than what you'd be used to on a Wednesday night. But I felt it really, really strong over the last couple of days. Actually, before I even came up here, I had a feeling I'd be standing in this pulpit. Didn't ask for it, but had a feeling I'd be standing in this pulpit. And I felt like the Lord had given me a word, and I just... When Pastor reached out to me the last couple of days, I felt the quickening of the Spirit of the Lord. So I'm going to get into it. If you have your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we begin reading in verse number 3. We're going to go down to verse number 6. I love you. Pastor Mayo, thank you again for the opportunity to stand behind this sacred desk. Amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. For whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. The help of the Holy Ghost for a few moments this evening, I want to preach to you on this subject, the purpose of affliction. The purpose of affliction. Could we clap our hands one more time to the Lord? And give him thanks. God, I love you and I thank you for your word. It is forever settled. God, let your anointed people hear your word tonight. Speak clearly to us in this house. In the name of Jesus, I pray it. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Growing up, one of our family's favorite things to do as a kid was to take road trips. And when I was able to finally have a family of my own and get a minivan, we decided that road trips were going to be something that we would do as well. 
as our family began to grow. There were many vacations that we would pile up into that Toyota Sienna and head off into the wild blue frontier of Interstate 5 or the 405 and head off for sights yet to be seen. Many memories flood my mind as I recount the adventures we had driving through Idaho, going through Texas, driving up the PCH into the redwoods above San Francisco. But one of the most vivid memories really had nothing to do with location or vacation destination. And this seemed to happen over and over in every road trip that we went on. The thing that always seemed to resonate in my mind was the questions. <laughs> Any parent would know the questions. Dad, are we there yet? We just left, son. We're five minutes from the house. Dad, can you pull over? I need to use the restroom. I know I went five miles back, but I got to go. Dad, why does that cow have such weird-looking horns? Questions. Questions are a part of life. We hear them asked, or we ask them almost every day. And let's be honest here tonight. There are a lot of questions that even seem to plague Christianity. Some of these questions may be asked out of a sincere hunger to know truth or to know more about truth. And yet, there are others that are asked out of a sincere mockery to kind of dilute and even discourage people in search of truth. We see questions that were asked in the book of Acts chapter 2. There's two questions that are very important. The first one was, what does this mean? What's going on? What is with this tongue talking? What is with this Holy Ghost baptism? But that led to another question, which was, what then shall we do? Now that we understand what this is that you have preached to us, Peter, now that we know it's from God, now that we know it's a fulfillment of prophecy, what shall we do to receive everything God has for us? And those, I believe, are two questions that every individual, every one of us have either asked and got the answer to in our lives, or if you're here tonight and you have never received the power, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You're in a church that believes it can happen even for you tonight on the middle of a midweek and somebody say amen. amen. Questions don't bother God. Sometimes we think that they do, but it's the questions that produce doubt and loopholes that people want to find an easier way of living that Questions that bring division and deception that the church has been instructed to stay clear of that I want to just focus in on for just a moment. In fact, Paul wrote to his, his protege Timothy and said, Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith. So do you. And then again in 2 Timothy chapter 2, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strifes. There are people, you've met them, I've met them. They always want to stir something up with their questions. They're always trying to find a way in and out of truth that they can just do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. and They'll, they'll, they'll generate questions in order to find those loopholes. Questions are a part of our life. But there are some questions that I've heard that you have heard. Did Adam have a belly button? Who are the sons of God in Genesis chapter 6? Who did Cain and Abel marry? What did Noah do with the woodpeckers on the boat? Was it really seven 24-hour days or were their days longer than they are now? How tall was Adam? And the question that no man in his right mind should ever ask his wife, how much do you weigh, Eve? We don't need to spend a lot of time on those questions because we may not have the answers to those. And most of the times, questions like that are used to produce confusion more than they are to clarify things. But probably the greatest questions that plague you and I as we live for God are questions like, why did I have to go through what I just went through? Why did that sickness attack my family? 
Why did that person have to die? Why did those afflictions happen to me? Why did we have issues when we shouldn't have had issues? Why, why, why? And I'm not here to make you feel bad tonight for asking the question why. As a matter of fact, Jesus even asked the why question in Matthew 27. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And so my thought is simply this tonight. If Jesus, God manifested in the flesh, can ask why, then surely I can ask why without having to be beat to death with condemnation and guilt for simply trying to figure life out. I'm going to attempt tonight in the next few moments to answer some of those questions by telling you that sometimes in our lives we are afflicted on purpose. In other words, there is a purpose for your pain. There is a testimony that can only come out of the midst of your trouble. There is a song that can only be sung in stormy situations. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I want to go on to tell somebody tonight that affliction and pain is never your adversary. Uh, amen. That pain that you're going through is not your enemy. Uh, that affliction is not a punishment from God for some secret sin in your life. Uh, I want you to recognize there's a purpose. Uh, I want you to understand that God's got a plan. I want you to know that there is a reason why you may be going through what you're going through tonight but I have learned a long time ago that all things work together for the good to them that are called according to his purpose I want us to leave out of here tonight with a revelation that affliction can actually become your friend it's your accomplice, it's your assistant, it's your other half. I'll even go so far as to say it's your better half. It's your help me. Now, I'm not saying that your wife is your affliction. She's a help me. But I am saying that you will need affliction in order to accomplish anything of value that God would have you to accomplish with your life. And no one has ever done anything for God or anything worthwhile in their lives without having to understand and accept uh, there are some things that I'm going to have to face in my life. I don't like it. Uh, I don't want anything to do with it. But it's the only way that God is forming and shaping me into the image uh, of his dear son. Can I preach to somebody tonight that the devil isn't trying to destroy you. Maybe God's trying to direct you. We give the devil so much credit for some causing so much trouble in our life. Well, the devil's doing this and the devil's doing that. The devil don't even know your address. You ain't that important. Maybe one of the imps of hell does, but you're just somebody that comes on his radar every once in a while. The devil may not be trying to destroy you. God may be trying to move you into a position where miracle signs and wonders uh, begin to happen on an everyday occurrence. Uh, I'm telling you right now, amen, God has direction, and it often comes from affliction. Joseph, your brothers aren't selling you into slavery in Egypt. They're putting you back on the road that will lead you to fulfill every dream you've ever had. But if you don't have this affliction, then you're never going to experience everything that God has for you. And so I want to encourage somebody tonight and tell you that it's not time to quit, give up, and throw in the towel. It's time to recognize what God's doing. And no wonder the Apostle Paul said what he said in Romans 8, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I've been through hell and high water. I've walked some lonely paths, but I've also come out on the other side and begin to recognize God is for me. God's got a plan. I know they said that about me. I know they're griping and griping. 
groaning and complaining. I know they got their opinion. I really do not care what your opinion is. I really do not care if you like me or not. All I'm concerned about is God's got my destiny in his hand. And it may take a storm to get me there, but I'm going to get there. It may take a trial. work this over a little bit here tonight. Webster defines the word affliction as something that causes pain or suffering. The Hebrew definition for affliction means to be brought down, to depress, to be humiliated. The Greek definition means to be treated ill-willed or be persecuted. Affliction. So here comes this affliction. Something that causes pain, suffering. Humiliation, depression, ill-will, persecution. And I'm going to try and preach to you tonight that all of that can become your greatest asset in living for God and advancing in the kingdom of God. But what we usually do is as soon as afflictions appear, we jump to the front of the prayer line. And we begin a several-day fast and we do everything we can to get out from underneath the burden of the affliction when in all reality we need the affliction. The affliction has purpose. Listen to what James said. And I hate to get all biblical on you tonight, but I'm going there. Because I want to help you. We're familiar with the verse of Scripture found in James 5. Verse 14, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And as he be committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. What James is doing is he's making a great point here that I think we often overlook. Maybe we don't even pay attention to it at times. The Bible says if I'm sick, I call for the elders of the church and they'll pray the prayer of faith and God can heal me. So if I'm sick, I get other people involved. We let them pray for us and we can believe that God is going to heal us and deliver us. But listen to the verse right before verse 14. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Hang on. Listen. Is any among you afflicted? He didn't say let them call for the elders of the church. He didn't say get anybody else involved. He didn't say put it on Facebook. I'm sorry. My name is Darren Sargent. I'm a recovering pastor. Please forgive me. He didn't say get it out there on the interweb. He simply said, let him pray. Nowhere in that passage does it say to pray for a deliverance. It just simply says let him pray. So immediately I come to a conclusion that there is obviously a big difference between being sick and being afflicted. Sickness you bring before the church. You solicit others to help you pray and ask for relief. But affliction, oh, it has a purpose. And you cannot shortchange the purpose. And you can't find a shortcut around the purpose. And you can't cut corners on the purpose. And one of the purposes of affliction, one of the purposes of pain is to simply get you to pray, but not necessarily praying for God to move the mountain, but praying that God will give you strength uh, to climb in the middle of it all. Come on, I believe this is one of those messages. Uh, it may be a little teaching and a little preaching combined, but we got to get past the place where we're sucking our thumb every time something goes wrong. When we get down on our knee and we begin to say, God, you've got a reason for this. Uh, I don't understand it right now. I can't figure out what you're do it but affliction has a purpose we have been we, we have been through one of the most intense struggles and afflictions of the last few years with with COVID and all the stuff that we've been through and churches have been through the ringer my wife and I have the privilege of going across our nation right now preaching in so many churches people are still reeling and affected it's just done a number to so many. 
And we've asked God time and time again, how long will this go on? i got good news for somebody here tonight. There is something God is doing in the middle of your mess. There is something that God is doing in the middle of our culture. I see it everywhere I go. He's bringing the church into new dimensions. He's launching families into new places they've never been. So it's time maybe we quit asking God to make our way easier and start asking God to make us stronger so that we can endure infliction and endure resistance and endure any disturbance that they may come our way. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and they shall fly. If I need to run, I can run. If I need to shout, I'll shout. If I need to walk, I'll walk. But I gotta wait on him and say, God, I don't know why, but to renew my strength. Help me in the middle of my storm. Sister Bale that would walk into church and you knew they had a bad hair day. Something was wrong because they wore it all over their face. I got to be so careful here tonight. Brother Sister Muther here, Brother Roy's here. I, I got to be so careful. I'm going to give somebody away. Maybe it was you. <laughs> you could see it a mile away. How you doing? Seeing better day. Nice day out. Just wait. It'll rain. We get people walking in and their problem and their pain and their affliction affects their worship. One of the things I learned a long time ago, my moments of greatest praise needs to come in the moments of my greatest pain. Hello? Don't make the praise team have to cheer you up. Don't make the pastor have to prime the pump. But I'm going through it. We're all going through it. You're nobody special. Just get up, raise your hand, and say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Though he try me, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to keep my praise on. Don't let your affliction suffocate your praise. The best time to run the aisles is when you're out of money. The best time to shout in the altar is when your body is in pain. The best time. You don't wait to get it all together before you begin to magnify God. Hey, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no. I've got a God that's on my side. i got a God that's walking with me. i got a God that's got it all under control. Everything's going to be all right. Has it happened yet? No, but I'm still believing. Has it come through yet? No, but I'm still believing. I didn't. I should have asked you. What what time do y'all get out of here? Okay. Well, good luck. I found a little scripture in Lamentations. No one reads Lamentations unless you can't fall asleep. It's one of the most saddest books in the Bible. Literally, it's about weeping. Who writes a book about weeping? Well, Jeremiah decided to. And here's what he said, how doth the city sit solitary. Lamentations 1, verse 1 and 2. How doth the city sit solitary that was full of people? How has she become as a widow, she that was great among the nations, princes among the provinces? How has she become tributary? She weepeth sore in the night, her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she hath none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They are become her enemies. Let's break this down. How does the city become deserted? How does a city that used to be great become like a widow? How does a city that used to be the queen of the earth now become a slave? And I think part of the answer is found in the first few words of the next verse. Lamentations 1-3. Judah is gone into captivity because 
of affliction. We all know what Judah means. It means praise. Judah suffered affliction. And when they did, instead of understanding the purpose behind it, they give in to the pressure and became slaves to their surroundings. Anytime you and I allow our praise to be affected because of affliction, we're just a few steps away from backsliding and losing everything that God has done in our lives. That's why I've come to preach to somebody tonight and remind you, you are being afflicted on purpose. There's a super connect, supernatural connection to your pain. And don't you dare let the devil talk you into taking one day off of praise. This is the day that the Lord has made. Some of us may need to push back against everything you're feeling right now and go up and make up your mind that this pain is not going to stop my praise. This worry isn't going to kill my worship. Amen. This calamity isn't going to take away my clapping. I've come to rejoice. Is everything right? No. Is everything good? No. Is everything running smooth? No. But he deserves the praise. I may feel like Job and I've lost everything, but though he slay me, yet will I trust him. This affliction is not going to destroy me. It's going to direct me exactly where God has me to go. Pastor, and we didn't have, we had, we had the greatest time as, as, as kids. Me and my brothers had a wonderful time. But we didn't have a proper water hose for anything. And primarily because I probably cut the end of the hose off to put it in the gas, to put in the lawnmower to get gas in my car so I could get to school. We didn't have one of those fancy nozzles at the end of the water hose that, you know, you can shift it and make it do a jet stream or you can do a nice, nice little mist over your pretty garden. No, we had one that Dad cut the end off it. But in order for me to water the hose, now that the water the rose is now that the water hose was too short to get there, I had to put a little pressure on the end of that hose to get it to go a little bit further. I had to put a little pressure on the end of that water hose to make the water shoot farther. Some of us think pressure is a bad thing. Maybe God's using pressure like I had to put on the end of the water hose uh, to get me to go farther than I might. He has no idea what I'm going through, and I'm glad. Amen. That's his job, not mine. But I am here to tell somebody that ought to be the time you bear down and you recognize I'm going on. I'm going to make it through this. pressure applied to the end of that water hose caused the water coming out of that water hose to go farther than it was going. The pressure that's in somebody's life tonight is getting ready to cause some of you to stretch farther worship harder, pray longer, believe stronger than you ever have. What appeared to be something that might restrict the flow of water was actually something that expanded the flow of water. You see, here's the problem. In the 21st century Christianity, we would rather have acceptance than affliction. Hello? But you cannot be accepted by an antichrist world and be respected by a Jesus Christ church. Well, we just want to be known throughout the town as the nice people, the calm people, the quiet people, the people that put on a good Christian front. Let me prove it to you. Here's what I mean. Hebrews eleven twenty four. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. There comes a time 
when each of us have to come to years, we have to mature, we have to reach a place where we can see a difference between Egypt and the people of God. And each of us are going to have to choose, do we want to be Egypt's son or we do we want to be God's servant? And that sounds easy enough, but that's a little harder than we might want to admit because we know whichever one we choose disqualifies the other, us from the other one. Let me keep reading. Hebrews 11.25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You see, if I choose Christ, then there will be affliction. But if I choose to be called the son of Egypt or the world, then there will be pleasures of sin for a season. But I would rather suffer affliction for God than to have to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And any time you separate yourself from the world, there is going to be affliction. You can't lead God people out of slavery if you're still connected to the system that had created the slavery. Well, I just want to have one foot in the world and the one foot in the church because if I, if I do that, then I'm safe. I'm, no, you're not. You're stuck. You're not going anywhere. Listen to what else it says, because it's not just affliction. It's affliction on purpose. There was a reason for it. It was trying to teach us something. Hebrews eleven twenty six 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches uh, than the treasures in Egypt. In Moses' mind, he knew that the affliction would produce much, 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 much more than he would ever get with the treasures of Egypt. In other words, I, I could be, uh, Moses could be accepted by the world, or he could be afflicted for God, but if I'm accepted by by the world, then I have the treasures of the world. But if I'm affect, afflicted, huh, then that will produce uh, greater riches than I could ever receive while in Egypt. Huh? And the reason why we have to quit rebuking affliction is because God has a purpose uh, for those things that are going on. And that purpose is to equip and empower us in the kingdom of God. And every time we try to get out from underneath the burden of the pressure, we're bankrupting what God is trying to do in our lives. Let me read one more verse. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You will never forsake Egypt. You will never forsake this world. You will never forsake the things in this world. You will never forsake carnality until you get to a place that afflictions are a greater resource than the acceptance of this world. Here's what I think the Spirit is trying to say to the church in this last hour. We need some modern-day Moseses. We need some men and women who refuse to be called the children of this world. One songwriter said it like this, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue, and the angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. John said it like this. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Moses, I know you're going to go through some things. I know you're going to be afflicted. I know you're going to be humiliated a time or two. I know you're going to be misunderstood. I know that you're going to walk away from worldly things. But Moses, 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 if you can endure the affliction... I'll show you the supernatural. I'll turn a stick into a snake. I'll part the Red Sea. I'll give you water from a rock. I'll pour down manna from heaven. I'll give you clothes that won't wear out. I'll give you shoes that'll never be, never, never, never have to go away. Amen. I feel God is wanting to tell us, hang on. Hang on one more night. Hang on one more day. Miracles are about ready to happen in your life. We have two. I drink and reek from the same thing that God was sending to give me a breakthrough. That church in the book of Acts, and never one time pray for God to deliver them from the persecution of affliction. You'll never see it. But they did pray for God to give them boldness during their pain. And they turned their world upside down. 
the Apostle Paul prayed three times for an affliction to remove his body. Listen, listen, listen to what the Bible says. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in the Necessities, uh, in persecutions, uh, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, uh, that's when I'm strong. Uh, can I preach to somebody? Uh, Paul had a revelation. There was a purpose to that pain. Paul had a revelation that God was using him to do great things uh, because of the affliction. Uh, but hear me, hear me, hear me. Uh, you can make it through anything if you understand the purpose. Sometimes I think we don't get it. We quickly call the pastor and text the pastor, reach to the prayer team while I'm going through it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Please don't, don't, don't leave here saying that we don't need to get other people helping us pray. But maybe we need to stop and recognize the purpose for it. I think a lot of people will be offended in the end time because they will not properly understand the purpose behind their affliction. I'm afflicted on purpose. Somebody in here tonight's going through what you're going through on purpose. God has a greater plan. I know this isn't a popular message to preach. I told you it's going to be a little bit different, but I feel it so strong in the Holy Ghost. God's got a greater purpose. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, the Bible says. Did you hear what I said? The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Our steps are ordered, but we still got to do the stepping, even in the midnight hour. We still got to do the stepping, even when everything is coming against us that could come against us. I still got to get up in the morning and say, I'm going on in the name of the Lord. I don't care what is thrown my way. All over this house, stand with me for a minute. Doesn't mean I'm done, but just stand. <laughs> Somebody just got excited. Oh, he's about done. Nope, just psyching you out. Too often. We are embarrassed. You, you come to the pews, praise the Lord, if you'd like. Too often we're embarrassed over any little affliction, but yet people in both the Old and New Testament embraced their affliction. Too often we backslide when afflictions come, and in all reality, those afflictions are sent to keep us from backsliding. They have a purpose. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. Then he goes on in verse 71 to say, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. You see, we have it backwards. We backslide because of the pain. But David said it was the affliction, it was the pain that kept him from going astray again. And the affliction produced a greater love for the things of God. In fact, the psalmist went so far as to say, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. That affliction is what healed me of my backsliding. But if I might be understood tonight, allow me to add one more thing to the mix. Affliction may have a purpose. And there may be nights that you weep till the joy comes. But I've got to remind somebody in this house. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But he delivers me from them all. 
I know you're going through it. I know the afflictions may be many. I know there's things you don't understand, but I'm here to remind you there's a deliverance coming. I'm here to remind you your weeping night's going to come to an end when sun breaks through in the morning. Your pain will fulfill its purpose, and your promise is going to appear. Your dark night of the soul is going to have a morning filled with a beautiful sunrise. So hold on. Dear child of God, hold on. It's not over yet. Keep on trusting. Keep on praising. Keep on believing. Keep on standing on the Word of God. It's not over yet. In fact, it's just the beginning of something about ready to break through in your life. I know there's those here under the sound of my voice that have wrestled through the night. But as the old song says, looks like I can see the breaking of day. Oh, what joy bubbling up in my soul. I know somebody here may feel like you're all alone on the other side of the brook that Jacob was at, but there's a blessing coming that's going to transform the future of your family. Something. You may look different when you come across that brook. You may walk different. There may be a different look in your eye, but your family is not only going to notice, but your family is going to be blessed. There may be many afflictions, but God is going to bring you through. So hold on, weeping widow. Stay strong, struggling sister. Hang on, my brother. We think we want acceptance of this world in order to live for God, but that acceptance is not what is needed. We think that affliction in our lives pushes us farther from God, but that affliction is used to keep you where you need to be. So I've come simply to stop by on a Wednesday night and tell you that 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 affliction has a purpose in your life and if you can draw closer to God during the affliction then I promise you, I promise you something supernatural can happen in your life tonight if you need the Holy Ghost you can get it right now if you need to be baptized this church will baptize you if you need healing there's healing in this room if you need your sins remitted there's a God that is able amen, who knows if you and I didn't have the affliction we may not have come to church but that affliction brought you into the presence of God that they sang about earlier. And I want to remind somebody there's a purpose to it. I don't understand. I've watched over the last two or three years of my wife's life and I's life. I do not understand why things have gone the way they have. I have questioned many times. I've asked God why, but I keep being brought back to it. There's a purpose. 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 You're going to get through this. There's a reason why you've been through what you've been through the last few months. Uh, God's about ready to break through and show you things that you never thought were possible. Dreams you had when you were a child of being used by God in a special way. You didn't know you would have to face the wrestling match with an angel. You didn't know you would have to wrestle through the midnight hour. You didn't know. But look at you now. You've got joy. you got peace. you got hope. you got I close with the text that I opened with. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation. That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves you went through what you went through you have a testimony that's going to help somebody else you have a story for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ and whether we be afflicted it is for your consolation and salvation which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffered or whether we be comforted it is for your consolation and salvation.
embrace your affliction. Please, please forgive me for using a personal reference here tonight. Would not normally do this, but I feel I'm among friends and family. They'll understand. It would have been very simple for me to buy into an affliction mentality being born the way that I was. Extremely handsome, but being born the way that I was. I don't know why people laugh when I say that. I've learned what Paul was talking about. My weakness makes me strong. When you embrace it instead of rejecting it, when you embrace it instead of getting bitter about it, when you embrace it instead of griping and complaining and, and groaning and coming to the pastor and saying this, and, oh, I just don't believe it, I can't, oh, 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 oh. why don't you ask God first? What's the purpose? This has opened more doors for me than my looks have, my friend. recognize something. There's a purpose to it. That pain that just about destroyed you, there's a purpose. Joseph, why in the world are you forgiving your brothers? They meant it for evil. That affliction was nasty. It shouldn't have happened. I shouldn't have had to go through that. I shouldn't have had to have been in exile all these years. But even though you meant it for evil, God took it and raised me up. And now I'm leading people to salvation. Now I'm speaking life into somebody else. Can I preach to somebody the next few closing moments? Hang on, honey. That purpose has an affliction. Hang on, dear child of God. That that affliction, there's a reason it's there. All over this house, lift your hands and begin to magnify the Lord. Come on, that affliction is for your salvation. That pain is for your purpose. I know you may be praying for it to go away. Amen. But it's that thorn in the flesh that's going to stay there so you can see the things that God wants you to see. Amen. You're not going to be healed. Maybe you're not going to be delivered of that pain in your body. Maybe it's going to, I know God can do it, and he can do it even now. But if he doesn't, I'm going to recognize there's a purpose. Even if he doesn't, I'm I'm going to recognize that God is doing all things, uh, working all things together. Could we just stand uh, and begin to move out into this aisle if you want? Uh, this altar is open right now. Some of you wrestle with things. Uh, some of you needing a miracle in your mind to help you through this. Uh, some of you needing God to do something in your situation. Come on, give you a reason why you're going through what you're going through. Get down in this altar. Throw your hands up in the air and begin to magnify the Lord uh, as they begin to sing. Uh, amen. God's got something he wants to do in you tonight. God God's got something he wants to prepare in you tonight. God's doing something in you that'll change you. Amen. Your perspective of life. I know it's not easy, but I do know there's coming a day when you're going to find that deliverance. There's going to come a day when you're going to find that answer. The purpose of affliction. I'm not turning back now. 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 Speak life into people. You're gonna speak hope into people. 